nothing, 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 nothing you could do. Straight up, there's nothing you know the boy says. We are back, Savage Hour Podcast. I'm your host, Chad George. As always, La Hefa. Hi. What's up, DJ? What's up? How are you? I'm good. How good. are you? I'm fired up. I can tell. I've been on fire. We uh, upgraded all of our equipment, make the show a little bit better. Had to take a little downtime because of it, but um, here we are. Mm-hmm. Got lots of stuff to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of hard to figure out which show we wanted to roll into, but the answer was just pick one and uh, roll into it. So here we are. Mm-hmm. I'm excited, you know, because um, we've been talking a lot about success and what people perceive it as. And uh, I figured today would be a good time to go into like a story about some of the stuff that uh, I went through changes in my careers, plural, and how it's funny how things can manifest themselves if you put the right energy into it and sometimes it'll come back into your life at times when you have no idea when it's going to present itself. Um, for me, I know, I know a lot of people don't know this, but before I ever got into fighting, I was actually an artist. And I went to art and film school. Well, let me back up. I was originally from Sacramento and I moved here to go to art and film school. I really didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, but I knew I loved art, and I was an artist my whole life. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to move away. I'm going to apply to art school. And I got accepted. And I really wanted to be an animator. I wanted to be an artist. And the studio that I loved was uh, DreamWorks. And that was something that was always in my mind that I I wanted to work for and I wanted to do um, movies and cartoons for DreamWorks. As uh, as I progressed in school, um, it was probably the first time in school that I actually started really doing well. Uh, Growing up, school was never my forte. I mean, I wasn't able to wrestle in high school or college because I never made grades. Um, I always had the ability to do things, but I never had the... Um, mindset to be able to just focus and buckle down because I always wanted to party and I wanted to, you know, um, hang out with the cool kids, which are funny because the cool kids were always the ones that made fun of me and really <laughs> broke down my, my ego and my confidence. And when I went to art school, I was like, oh my God, I can actually be good at something. I was away from all the distractions. I never did drugs when I was um, growing up. I mean, I smoked some weed and I drank when I was younger, but I, I stayed away from all the drugs. always told myself I wasn't going to do any of that. Um, and that'll make sense when I get further into the story. But I went to art and film school. I was at the Art Institute of Los Angeles, and I finally started excelling in school. I started doing well, and it came so well that I started working professionally while I was in school. I started doing this thing that I called email blasting. Like back then, you could send out emails to thousands of people, and you'd actually get responses. Now it doesn't work the same, but I used to go on Craigslist and literally – blast every single ad that I saw for somebody wanting to uh, have work done. I didn't care what it was. I was I created a generic email and then I adjusted on the email body for what the specific job type was. So I started doing that and boom, 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 boom. And then when people would respond, I'd send them examples of stuff that I'd done or I'd even create a sample acting like I'd already done this for a previous client. And I would just create crazy cheap numbers just to get their work. And next thing I realized that after doing this and doing this and doing this, I started getting a roster of clients. 
I was doing business cards. I was doing flyers. I started doing like small animation projects. And mind you, this is all when I was still in school. I was like my first or second year into, uh, into art school. And then I started meeting with other artists that kind of were doing the same thing, but um, maybe not as scaled as I was trying to get it. And we started working on different projects and I met this one guy and he was just like me, it was crazy. He was driven, he was hungry to, um, to, to make this a profession and he was doing very similar to what I was doing. So then we linked up, we worked on a couple projects together and then next thing I knew it, him and I decided to get an office space together. Um, I was probably like two years into school, two and a half years in and we got an office space together in Santa Monica and we started just doing exactly what we were doing, but now we're doing it together. So now we've got two guys just blasting things out to everybody, and we actually created a whole bunch of work that was coming in, um, which is funny, though, because we had all this money coming in, mm -hmm. but we had no idea how to manage any of it. So as the money came in, it was gone just as fast, and we had nothing to really speak. I mean, it was cool because, you know, I'm, what, in my, my early 20s, and I'm doing what I enjoy doing, and I'm still in school, and it was cool because I was creating my own income. I was creating my own living. I wasn't reliant on, on an employer. It was all based on you know the work that I put in, and I think that was a, an early stage on what really developed my ability to work hard and see that if you keep doing things, you know, you're gonna be able to keep getting more of it. Yeah. I just didn't know how to manage it. So. Um, this whole time we're doing art, we're doing art, we're doing art, we're doing all these projects. We started getting animation projects and keep, and my whole mindset was still always like, I want to work for this company. I want to work for this company. I want to work for DreamWorks. I want to work for a big animation studio. So even though I'm doing all these things, it was cool. It wasn't exactly what I wanted, but it was still what I was creating. So we're doing all this, we're working, we got our studio, I'm going back to school, I'm still finishing all my school projects. Uh, I start working on other projects with some of the students at the school, I won a couple of awards in school, and then got a couple opportunities to have bigger projects. And my partner at the time in the, in the office, and I guess, I guess you could say we were partners then, mm -hmm. it was more like we were just sharing an office space. Eventually we did become partners uh, for a bigger project and a bigger studio that we came into, but at the time we were just working together. And when the work got too busy and we started bringing in these other students, we started creating opportunities for other students as um, internships. Mm -hmm. Because when you get into school, you have, um, you have parts of your schooling where you have to fulfill internship credits or work furlough or something like that where you know, it, it applies to your, your, um, your degree. So we started working on these big projects and it worked out well. It gave them school credits and we got free employees. Yeah. So it worked out for, for both, so it was really awesome. And so I started bringing on students for projects and it was cool and then it became, we were the guys that were offering jobs to these, uh, these other students, which was really cool. As that grew on, so did our work. I started getting on clients like Nike. I started building up other clients in the portfolio and my work day became no longer just going to school and work. Now all of a sudden my work started going to 9, 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night. Eventually it started going to 2, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. And I mean, there was no space. I mean, literally my space was sleep, go to school, work, sleep, go to school, work. And it became this constant um, routine. And I just got used to it. This went on for another year, year and a half. And then our studio went from one office space 
and then we expanded because we needed more space for the interns that we were bringing in. Then we had two office spaces, and then we went from two office spaces to our first studio. We, we rented space from a bigger studio, and we had our own little studio space, which was cool because then we started working uh, relationships with the other um, offices and work that were inside the studio. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we started working on big projects. And actually, when I say bigger projects, it was my, my first real connection to, um, I guess you could say, the professional athletic industry or fitness industry. We secured a project with a company called NASM, the National Academy of Sports Medicine, which is pretty much the largest uh, certification program in the world for fitness. Mm-hmm. They contracted us for... Um, an animation project where we took every single one of their exercises and there was this massive index. We took every single one of their animation exercises and we 3D modeled all of them and animated all of them with illustrations. So this project was our biggest payday project, but it was also one we had no idea how to put together. So I started hiring on my instructors from my school. So now (laughs) we went from students to hiring on instructors that I was paying to be on this project. The students started getting paid. We started getting paid. And it turned into this really cool thing. And it got to be the point where I was just going crazy. I mean, this uh, it was uh, I think it was a one-year contract that mm-hmm. we signed with them on a flat rate of what it cost. One year turned into a year and a half. A year and a half turned into two years. But our pay didn't increase. We were still paying out to finish this thing. Yeah. But our pay didn't increase because it's not that we were missing the deadlines because we were making the deadlines. The problem was is we didn't know how in-depth this project was going to be. So they kept needing changes. They kept needing changes. They kept needing changes. And through our, I guess you could say, lack of education of how to handle this, mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't even think about setting terms on how many changes could be made, how long could be made. Yeah. So it ended up just biting us in the ass. The point of this... Um, part of the story is that I met a guy through this project that was um, doing jujitsu and I needed something to really get my mind away from just work 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 because I'd been doing this for so long and he told me about um, this jujitsu school and I I was like nah I don't want to do jujitsu this is you know when um, the UFC kind of first started Mm -hmm. getting going and I wanted to find a wrestling school I'd wrestled my whole life and I was looking for it but at the time, this is when the wrestling programs were pulled out of the colleges for funding. So there wasn't anything around. And so he told me about this jiu-jitsu school. And I said, no, I don't really want to do it. And he said, listen, give it a try. You might like it. What's the worst that can uh, happen? I said, you know what? You're right. So took him up on it. I know I think we talked about this in one of the other shows about how that led into my career and all this stuff, but um, I got I really enjoyed going to that class. So me being this artist, I'm in the studios, I'm going and trying this jiu-jitsu class, and uh, it's kind of changing um, my habits of getting out of the work environment. Um, what I didn't talk about was that with the work environment that I had also came through with a lot of things that I didn't even realize I was getting involved in. Uh, I was working so much, and I started dabbling with different drugs. It wasn't like I was partying, because I wasn't, I mean, I guess you could say we partied, but it was more that the deadlines were really Mm -hmm. hard to keep up with, and my sleep wasn't able to maintain it at all. 
and it was unrealistic for me to meet a deadline that's two days late and it has to be I mean our, our work load is two days late and it's got to be presented at eight o'clock in the morning so I started um, dabbling with like cocaine and stuff like this and then that was something that I always told myself I was never gonna do you know, I saw it a lot growing up. A lot of my friends were doing it growing up, and it was something that I was like, it was actually a big reason why I left Sacramento. I'm like, you know what? I got to get away from the drugs. I got to get away from this mentality of things that are going to suck me down. So I'm going to go to LA to better my life. I'm going to try to get education. I'm going to do these things. I'm never going to do drugs. Mm-hmm. Now I'm here in LA pursuing this career, which is seeming to go very well. But now I'm doing the things that I said I would never going to do. I moved away from it because I didn't want to get into this stuff. Not only did I start dabbling in it, as I got used to it, it became the normal. I started doing coke almost every single day. It came to the point where it was just it was just routine. I was doing it to where it was like, okay, got a project coming up, let's get it. And it wasn't, it, to me it wasn't even like an addiction, I guess. Because I didn't crave it. It wasn't one of those things where people talk about, oh, I couldn't live without it. Yeah. It was just something that became a habit, I guess. Like even smoking cigarettes. I started smoking cigarettes. <laughs> right? I'm buying packs of cigarettes. And it was more just a social thing. Actually, I would say doing the drugs and smoking cigarettes became a social setting. Because we didn't really take breaks. It was like, hey, you want to go outside and smoke a cigarette? Cool. Let's do that. Five minutes off. Yeah. Doing a rail of cocaine ended up being a social thing. It was like, hey, you want to take a break? Let's do this. Cool. Let's do that. And I knew that wasn't healthy either, but it took me some time to get over that. So started training, got into that stuff, and uh, I really fell in love with training. And I knew that could be the avenue to get me away from doing all the things that were unhealthy. I mean, come on, I never smoked a cigarette in my life until I became a uh, professional artist. I never did cocaine in my life until I became a professional artist. And actually, that led into other things. I had students that, I worked with that got me in other stuff. I mean, I dabbled with like crystal meth. Um, and it's funny because I'm, I'm not even embarrassed to talk about this stuff anymore because it's experiences that I went through. And then I realized that that stuff's not for me. I'm not saying that you have to go do crystal meth to realize that crystal meth isn't for you. Yeah. But I, I did it on accident. It was an accident that had happened. Somebody had given me like cocaine, supposedly cocaine, and it wasn't. And so the fear of crystal meth is what kept me away from it. And then I realized it didn't kill me. So therefore, it's not as bad as I thought. <laughs> you know. And I knew this needed to change. And with that, I also knew that I was falling in love with this training stuff. Boxing, MMA, Jiu-Jitsu. I was falling in love with it. It got to a point where I was falling in love with it so much, it was taking over my passion for art which is funny because I moved here to do art I wanted to be an artist I wanted to work for DreamWorks and now this this thing for fighting and this thing for training I don't know why it was pulling me at the time I didn't know why I was falling in love with this sport that had no possibility of making money and as this thing grew on I knew that I had to make a choice do I keep doing this art that is leading down this path of something that I told myself I was never going to do. Do I think I could have kept doing art and removed all that that toxic stuff out of my life? Probably. But at the time, I don't know. It was just that was, that was what it was. 
and fighting and martial arts allowed me to see this pathway to something healthier, to something stronger, and to something that was actually more powerful than me partying in the studio, doing this artwork, and doing drugs every day around people that are doing the same thing. I started seeing things about myself that became more real than anything. I started learning about myself by being grounded down. I mean, I think when people talk about success, everybody wants to be successful, right? I wanted to be successful as an artist. Everybody wants to be an expert in whatever it is. But I didn't realize it until I got hit in the face for the first time that that is the wake-up call for success. Like, you truly do have to get hit in the mouth, get hit in the fucking head for you to realize that everything isn't going to be just fucking smooth. Like, you need to be hit and realize that that's what it's going to take for you to get successful. And... To me, the lifestyle that I was living with while being an artist, it was just going downhill. Like that was detrimental to my health and there was nothing positive that was going to come out of it. But through fighting and martial arts, I started learning more and more and more and more about myself. And what's also interesting is that when I started fighting, <clears throat> the idea of being a martial artist to me was non-existent. I was like, I'm a fighter. I'm a fighter. I'm a tough guy. I dyed my hair crazy colors, right? Like I, I had this image. I walked around with my chest pumped. But inside, I was still really insecure. You know, there were so many parts of me that I had no answers to that I wanted to put up this image and this facade. So when I started really fighting, I created this image of this brand that I wanted people to see me as. Did it work? Yeah, it actually did. Like I was able to build a pretty cool following at an early time in my career that people associated with me oh chad's got the crazy hair i mean i used to come out to i used to do performances almost when i came out yeah i had i remember there was one time i came out with a rapper i came out with kids um doing karate katas um i had people crawling you know i did all these different things to create the show yeah. and realistically that was all my own insecurities that i that i wasn't going to be able to do enough with myself and that stems way before any of that and um then when I started honing myself through this fighting thing, I realized I, I was still doing art, I was fighting, I had to make that choice, and I, I let the artwork go, and I said, you know what, I can always come back to this, and if this fighting thing doesn't work. So I said, cool, I'm gonna drop this lifestyle, go to fighting, and when I did that, I really started learning what it was to be a martial artist. I started learning that the, the idea of being a martial artist isn't about being a tough guy. It's truly about the way of the life of what it is to be a martial artist. Jiu-jitsu is really what even expanded that in my mind more than anything. Jiu-jitsu taught me so much about myself to be grounded, grinded down, pull out the ego. It doesn't matter if you win, lose. It's all about doing it again. Because if you get tapped, cool, brush it off, learn from it, go again. Yeah. What's amazing about that is that it teaches us to be okay with losing. Because as soon as it's over, you can reset, go again. And I never understood any of that in my life, whether it's an artist or, or anything before that. So after I adopted the idea that, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm not just a fighter, I'm a martial artist, um, my career really started taking off. I, I started fighting and fighting and fighting. I won several titles. I got signed to the WEC. Uh, all these different amazing things happened. And then a lot of people 
already know about this, and if you don't, there was a documentary made about my life, Occupation Fighter. Uh, it was on Netflix. It was on. Uh, it's still on iTunes, mm-hmm. Amazon Video. It was on um, almost every single platform uh, you could do. What's funny about it is when we filmed this documentary, the guy that filmed it, he um, didn't really want to do it the direction that we did it. It was actually supposed to be about him. When Andre uh, Andre Enzensberger he uh, he wanted to make this film about a overweight, out of shape director who met a fighter which changed his life to become healthy and it was more going to be about him and how I came into his life and helped him become a better person but he knew nothing about MMA and so as he started filming and he saw my life and he saw the lifestyle how tough it is to really be a fighter he felt as if the story of a true fighter needed to be told he wanted people to see the real life story of what it means to go through being a fighter. The, the pains, the bumps, the bruises, the m- no money, the dealing with getting cut, the dealing with you know, all the adversity that comes with being a fighter, especially at the time that it was. And I thought it was incredible. Um, so he made this film, which is funny because if you think about that as a, as a whole picture, mm-hmm. now there's a film being made about me when... I left that industry. Like, I wanted to do work for the film industry. Mm-hmm. And I left that completely. And now I have a film being made about me, which is pretty ironic. And he made this film, and it was, it was incredible. I remember we watched it for the first time. He showed me in his screening room, and I was watching it as if I didn't know what was happening. You know, he played, I'm like sitting there like a little kid, like, oh my God, what's going to happen next? He did such an amazing job. I, I don't even remember a lot of the scenes that were, were cut together, the way he put, put the story. Um, a lot of people have said it is that it touched so many people because it was raw, it was real, it was uncensored, and it showed the true meaning of what, what it means to be a fighter. And that film ended up becoming such a monumental part of not only my life but what I stand for because it showed me that man people care about what other people go through so the film comes out um, funny enough we shopped it to all these different film festivals not one of them wanted it everyone was saying that no we're not doing MMA no um, it's it's not what people want they want these different things so all the film festivals that we were almost certain we were not only going to get accepted in, there was a good chance of winning. Every single one of them turned us down. Like every single film festival turned us down. Because to us, we're like, man, like how are we going to get this thing out there? If a film festival doesn't pick us up, there's going to be no way like this thing gets beyond, you know, just sharing it to your, your friends and family. Yeah. And so um, we got a little down. But then, believe it or not, a distribution company saw the film. And they loved it. And... They picked us up, and then it got, they got worldwide distribution from that, which is, which is actually kind of cool because a lot of films that go to film festivals and windfill festivals, they're doing that so they can get distribution. Yeah. If they get distribution. We actually bypassed that whole thing. Got distribution, and it was amazing. I mean, it's, I think even right now, it's been, the film came out, what, 2012? 
and I think this year it got picked up by Sports Illustrated. So, it, I mean, it's still circulating. Yeah. Last year it was picked up for Brazilian uh, national TV. So, I mean, it's still, it's still going around, which is really cool. But I think the coolest thing about this story is not about where it got distributed. It's not about what it did to me as a whole, which is all really cool. But I think the most amazing thing about it is once the film came out, we get, we get this phone call. And the phone call was, you know, we were getting people that wanted to do screenings for the film all the time. And it's, it's actually kind of like funny saying this. DreamWorks called us. DreamWorks called us if we would be interested in doing a screening and a Q&A of my film at DreamWorks Studio. And it almost didn't make any sense. I was like, is this a joke? Like, how, do the, how is this even possible? So, uh, I mean, of course we said yes. Yeah. So we go down there, you know, all suit and tie, all buttoned up. <laughs> get down there and everybody's in shorts and shirts. <laughs> And it was the coolest thing ever. I got to do a screening and Q&A for the artists and faculty of DreamWorks to watch a film about me when all I ever wanted to do was be an artist for DreamWorks. Yeah. And I even told them during the Q&A, I said, this is probably one of the the most amazing things I've ever done in my life, even through my career, because it meant so much for me to tie things back to something that I'd always wanted. What's the most amazing thing about all this is that I had such a deep passion and a deep vibration that I knew I was going to work for DreamWorks. I knew that I was going to be involved with something with DreamWorks. When I stopped becoming a professional artist, I stopped thinking about that. I stopped wanting that aspect of my life to go that direction. And the universe and the energy of everything tied it all back together. And here I am standing in front of an auditorium of artists that I have looked up to and admired my entire time in school asking me questions about my life. And that was a major moment for me to realize that sometimes the things that we want in life come into play in ways that you could have never expected. Ever. Yeah. Ever. And I know so many people have stories like this. But, I mean, come on. Years later, with something completely unrelated, that comes back into my life. That moment was one of those big eye-opening moments that made me realize that if you put your mind to anything, it's, it, it's going to happen. Maybe not in the way you think it is, but it's going to happen. And we also got to realize is that as we grow, the funniest thing is about the things that you want in life. As you grow, it's not that you don't want those things, but those things will change as you grow. The things that you want in life are going to grow as you grow. So the the goals that you have, the dreams that you have, they're gonna go, they're gonna grow. But if your energy is there, things are gonna manifest themselves. Yeah. Law of attraction is real. The way we vibrate is real. Um, 
it was just amazing. And ever since then, I've paid attention to that. And so many different things in my life have happened exactly that same way. I'm not saying with DreamWorks, but I'm talking about things that I wanted that as soon as I disconnected from the idea of like, I have to have this, I want to have this in different ways, it's come back into my life. Yeah. And, um, but I think that's why a lot of people stop and don't pursue their dreams is because they think they need to have it all figured out. The roadmap all figured out, every twist, every turn, and that's not how it works. You just need to move in a direction and life will unfold for you. And you gotta be okay with that. You gotta be okay with not knowing. You gotta be okay with the process. Absolutely, and I think the process, we've talked about this also, the process is what you have to fall in love with, not the result. The result is what's gonna give us problems. We focus on winning, we focus on losing, all that stuff, that stuff doesn't matter. It's the process. The process has to give us joy. Yeah. Because if we focus on happiness, happiness is a result of an action. Sadness is a result of something happening. But if we find joy in the process, so that is just proof that things like this happen to all of us. And if we just pay attention and believe in the process and get over these ideas of what we think it has to be, then everything will fall into place if you allow it to. I mean, this is coming from somebody that was so self-destructive and I've beaten myself up my entire life of why things couldn't be and can't be and how everybody else is great for different reasons. We have to be willing to be great for nobody else but ourselves. Mm-hmm. And in understanding that, I want to share 10 beliefs that I, I've developed that have become core values to me that I think of on a daily basis and I think are major platforms for who I am today and I know these are going to change I'm not even married to these because I know this is based on who I am right now I believe that a single person truly can change the world I believe that your past builds your strengths for today I believe that anything and everything is possible I believe that happiness is truly in helping others. We can't be selfish. If we try to be selfish, nothing's gonna come together. Gotta drop that ego. I believe that my role in life is truly bigger than myself. It's funny because it used to be all about myself. I, I believe that we are all connected through frequency and vibration. I believe that we can become and learn anything we put our minds to. Mm-hmm. I believe that there is no obstacle we can't overcome. I believe people come into our lives when we need it most. And I honestly think that that's self-manifested. It is. We create that stuff when we put the energy out there just like these stories. I believe that the higher rate our frequency vibrates, the more things associated with that vibration get pulled into us. You can't deny that stuff. When you, yeah. feel, when you feel the energy of that, I mean, that's really the law of attraction. I believe that we are all destined for greatness. There's a champion within every single one of us. Mm-hmm. We just have to be willing to believe in ourselves. We have to be willing to have confidence. And we have to be willing to accept that the insecurities that we have are always going to be there. But they don't have to run our lives. Every day, we're faced with challenges. I dare you to be willing to be great. Be willing to live life 
as a champion. Nothing, 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 nothing you could do. Straight up. There's nothing you know the boy says. There's nothing. I don't know why you want to play with it. There's nothing you could do.